Good morning. It always takes me a little moment to like find myself in a space, you know? It's a new microphone, new people, new space, and I'm just grateful for all of your generous eyes. Um, thank you so much for the invitation to this newly itinerant Lutheran preacher to come among you, particularly on Reformation Sunday. And I heard that there's some Lutherans in the back. Yes! I, so you know um, about, what's the day of the month today? 22nd. 22 days ago, I left a congregation that I had pastored for 13 years. So when I say itinerant preacher, I mean it. And you are the first congregation I've preached in since. So thank you. Thank you for letting us be word together this morning. Um, also, part of why I left that position is that um, I've been called to be the bishop's associate for the Oregon Synod, which is like the presbytery um, in the Presbyterian Church. And so I'm going to be doing a lot of preaching around. Um, and part of my call is to continue the work around building coalitions of faith communities around the housing crisis in our city and in our state. And how might we as people of faith with stories of lament and hope be knit together um, with all that we have, all the abundance that we have, um, to be community and home for one another and for all who need home in the state of Oregon. And so thank you again to your housing team for inviting me to come and preach among you this morning. So Reformation. Reformation and the freedom ignited by the gospel are always John, the gospel of John tells us about truth. Truth. And my prayer for this morning during worship here, and I've already heard some, and then I hope you will join us for an hour of deep conversation in our housing forum from 11 to 12. My hope and prayer is that we speak some truth to one another this morning with our words and our presence. The kind of truth that undoes us from our assumptions, from isolation, from our shame, from the lies we may have been sold. My prayer is that we tell some truth to one another today that undoes us into relationship with one another and our neighbors more deeply. And from there, in that undoing into relationship, we begin to listen, pay attention, discern together how the Holy Spirit will reform us with all that we have, including our stories, for life in this place, in this neighborhood of Selwood, Moreland, in the city of Portland and beyond. So I just have some small prayers for us. So when Pastor Brian invited me to join your conversation around the Psalms, I got excited because the Psalms are about public collective truth-telling. Did you know that? 
public collective truth-telling. We may have experience reading the Psalms personally, and that's important. You may have Psalms, lines that spring to your lips from memory when you have hit bottom or when awe grabs your heart. Psalms that are tattooed on those hearts. Do you have some? Do you have some words? I bet you do. I bet you do. I know that I have probably most often read the Psalms at the bedside. At the bedside among close family that gathered as someone took their last breaths. These are holy words for holy times. However, Psalms are public liturgy. Public liturgy. The collective voice of the people. So it's strange that I just stood up there and said them myself really not how it's supposed to go. Woven together in the midst of worship, and so they have great power for us. For what is invited in worship into the center of the community gathered can invite, affirm, and bless, and what is not invited into the center of our life together can shame, shut down, and silence. Think about that. What gets invited into worship can, be, can bless us and be blessed, but what we don't bring into the center of our life together can shame, shut down, and silence. I want you to take a moment and think about what you talk to one another about in this community and what you don't talk to one another about. What you share in worship here and what you may not yet share together. What we say together with voices and presence resonating on either side, in front of us and from behind, and what we don't say together, what gets unspoken, it matters. It matters. I grew up in beautiful Lutheran congregations. I am a womb Lutheran the daughter of two Lutheran pastors who were studying theology in Göttingen, Germany when I was born. I mean it, womb Lutheran. And I grew up in beautiful Lutheran congregations on the East Coast in New England. But it wasn't until I came to Portland and pastored a small Lutheran congregation in Northeast that I, the pastor, knew that my whole self was invited to the table. And you want to know why I knew that? It's because that little remnant congregation, they told their stories. They told their stories of bouts with unemployment. Anybody ever had that experience? They told their stories of their children's struggle with addiction. Anybody have addiction struggles in their family. They told their stories of their own struggles with mental health. Anybody have those stories in your life or your family? And so, it was only there, first there, in the midst, this preacher, in the midst of that congregation, that I knew that my story of an eating disorder in college, anorexia in college, 
and my own struggle with bouts of depression and anxiety belonged at the table. Anybody ever show you their wounds and make space for yours before? Yeah. The community graced those parts of my story, making me whole. It's like they remembered me. I got to bring in pieces of myself that I had kind of pushed aside for a while, right? So they helped remember me, made me whole, and liberated me from shame and isolation. The power of the gospel incarnate in that place teaching me that those parts of our stories that are excluded or even not invited into the community story, the message when we do that is that, even if we may not say it overtly, that those parts are ungraced, right? Ungraced. Well, my favorite psalms are the laments, then. The laments. Straight up. Those words of guttural honesty when we cry out together. Because we're aware in this world of sold-to-us veneer, do we get to cry out with one another? Tell me, where do we get to cry out with one another? Where do we get to cry out together? Where do we get to come undone, be messy, not have it all together, and tell the truth? To one another. And the wisdom of the Psalms is that it is from those deep, collective places that true honesty, hope, and praise find us. Again, in the voice and presence resonating all around us, announcing the embodied good news we are not alone. Well, as I prepared for this morning, Hebrew Bible scholar Walter Brueggemann reminded me of something that is important to know about the Psalms. He reminded me that the Psalms, as they were public collective liturgy, they were shaped by what he calls the Jerusalem establishment. Those who had control over what got said in those public worship spaces and what didn't. They were shaped by the religious and royal political elite with a particular interest and bias in lifting up Israel's chosenness. While the Psalms will name God as the protector of the defenseless, creating families for those who are alone, liberating those in captivity, good liberal speech, right? It is the prophets, however, It is the prophets who speak plain truth from the margins, unsettling the status quo and holding the establishment accountable to the law of right relationship. So while we pray the Psalms, we need the prophets to call us out. So I think we need to be asking the question together as communities of faith, Following a God who holds it all, our whole stories, our whole selves graced. What story gets told among us? Who 
whose voices are raised? Who shapes the collective song? And how honest is that song? In the housing work, we are embarking together as a coalition. We call it the Levin Land and Housing Coalition. It is 14 congregations throughout the city and county. This growing and it's becoming interfaith, which is very cool. We are engaging with our Jewish siblings as well as our Sikh siblings. We are starting with the question together, what is your housing story? What is your housing story? What are the pressures on you, your loved ones, and your neighbors? And I don't know how many times the initial response from people in that conversation is, and you might be feeling it right now, I have a housing story. Anybody feel like they might not have a housing story? You can be honest. I don't have a housing story. Or even my congregation, I'm not sure we have a housing story. These teams have shown up together from their congregations because they are a group in their congregation that care about houselessness, which is very important, and want their community to do more with what they've got, right? Very important. Very important. Well, one of our leaders approached me at the beginning of our work together nine, ten months ago, and she said, Melissa, I want to take this question seriously that you are asking us but I really don't think that I have a housing story. This is Mary. She's in her 70s. Um, She is awesome. She's a member of Gethsemane Lutheran Church. And I said, okay, Mary, well, I I think you do, we we all have a housing story, right? But I, I do wonder what your story is. And so let's get together over coffee and let's talk about it. And so we got together and I said, Mary, I know a little bit about you, and what I know is that you volunteer every week at the domestic violence shelter. Every week. Why do you do that? And she paused, and she thought about it. She's been been going there for like 30 years, right? So why does she do that? And she said, well, I was a teacher, she said. And I saw what housing instability and domestic violence did to my students. And then she said, I realized I was in a domestic violence situation. And my children and I lived in that shelter 20 years ago. And then she looked up with wide, whole eyes because she had found her story. When she shared that story the following week at our housing coalition meeting, Mary opened up space for people to go deeply into their own stories. How can we be hospitable to one another? Be vulnerable first is one way. We ask people to turn to their neighbors and share their housing pressures and their stories, and suddenly a room full of no stories 
became a room full of passionate, resonant, honest words, locked eyes, bobbing heads, even laughter and embrace, from lament to praise. When I tried to call them back from their conversations, I couldn't get their attention. Hello! We were full of stories that could not be stopped, and these are just church folks. Nice, storied church folks. It made me wonder, has our life together together given us voice? Has our life together given us voice? Has our life together as people of faith, our worship, our fellowship, our service, given us voice? Voice to tell the truth. A truth that will set us free. And what voice has been considered ours? St. John's Wesleyan is a small family-style church up in North Portland. They joined the Housing Coalition because they have a giant vacant lot behind them, and their pastor thought it would be a great idea. Sometimes pastors get really great ideas, right, Brian? (laughs) Their pastor thought it would be a really great idea to build affordable housing on that lot to help address the affordable housing crisis. Nice idea, right? However, the congregation was fractured on that idea until it stopped being an idea. The pastor's wife, Lauren, who is the real leader, let me tell you, (laughs) organized a team of six to join the housing coalition, and they engaged in an eight-week listening season together in their congregation, where they brought together congregation members and their neighbors. They said, "Who? think about people in your life that might be interested in this conversation. Bring them with you, your neighbor, your friends. Bring them together into house meetings hosted by people from the church, where people shared their housing pressures and their stories on them, their loved ones. And at the end of those eight weeks, They held a congregational gathering where people sang and prayed together, shared their stories out loud, publicly, and with full consensus, decided to move forward together, building affordable housing on that back lot. Do you know why they did that? Why might they have done that? because it was no longer an idea and housing was no longer an issue. No, the wandering in the wilderness that our psalmist sings of this morning was the wandering of their members and neighbors through the wilderness of gentrification and displacement, rising rents, mortgages, and taxes. That was no longer an ancient old story nor someone else's story but their elders' story, the elders in the community that were ending, getting close to the time when they couldn't stay in their homes anymore and they didn't know what to do next. It was their elder story, or it was their children's story, children moving in their early 20s, early 30s, early 40s from apartment to apartment to apartment, from this group to that group to this group, from this neighborhood to that neighborhood, right? 
It was their friends' stories. Their friends' stories. And a story graced by God. One of the, um, one of the interpretations, the translations of the psalm we read this morning, Psalm 68, calls God the rider of the clouds. I love that. The rider of the clouds. The one who is the rider of the clouds in that community's honesty and truth-telling created true family among them. True family among them. So that in that North Portland congregation, God truly was making sure that no one was alone. Announcing to one another the deepest truth of our belonging in God. That we are not alone. Never alone. So they are finding their song. And Every time I see them, I can, I can hear it among them. They like sing together as a community. It's pretty cool. So I wonder what song needs to be sung here among you all. What song needs to be sung here among you all, beloved Moreland Presbyterian? And I'm friends with your former associate pastor, Josh Dunham, and I'm getting to be friends with your lead pastor, Brian, and I want to begin to fall in love with you all. I love them. I want to begin to fall in love with you all. And my prayer is that you continue to fall in one another, love with one another more deeply. As you discover what stories need to be graced among us. And how will the truth undo us and reform us together again for the life that is truly needed in this place, in this neighborhood, in this city, in this world. Amen.